This is the Concealed Carry Podcast, episode number 270. And welcome to the Concealed Carry Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network. I am your host, Riley Bowman. And today I'm flying solo as far as hosts are concerned. Uh, neither Jacob or Matthew is able to join me, but uh, we do have a special interview and a special episode lined up for you uh, where we're going to be talking with a special guest, Michael Sodini of Walk the Talk America and also of the importer slash manufacturer Eagle Imports. And Michael, we'll bring you on here officially in a moment, but how are you, sir? I'm doing great, and thank you for having me on, man. I know we've been trying to put this together for a while, so this is exciting for me. Yeah, well, for a while, it's all it's all my fault. It's all all my bad. <laughs> but, uh, dude, we're, I'm so so excited to have you on. So, looking forward to getting into it with you. But, folks, uh, today we're going to be talking about uh, some really really important stuff. Besides, we'll talk we'll talk about some fun stuff. We'll talk about what's going on with with things in the gun world uh, from Michael's perspective. But really, I want the the meat of today's episode to be about mental health and the firearms industry and what we can do as an industry and as a community to be, to be part of the solution and not the problem. Okay. Right. So we know, we, we know we have problems. We know we have people with mental health issues that are doing some, unfortunately, occasionally some, some bad things. It doesn't happen as often as probably what we think. Right. But, but when it does happen, it usually is really bad. So let's try to address that and be part of the solution. And, uh, some of what we see even within our own ranks, as a gun community is not helpful to that conversation or to fixing the problem. That's what we want to talk about today. All right. Cause I'm asking all of our listeners of the, and viewers on Facebook and elsewhere of the concealed carry podcast to join with me as in being part of the solution. All right. But first today's episode is brought to you by guardian nation. Surprise, surprise for longtime listeners. Join the most exciting membership program for gun owners and self-defense minded individuals to take advantage of all of the many benefits boxes filled with awesome gun and training gear sent out each quarter ammo discounts from ammosupplywarehouse.com special members only training content and events and much much more join today guardiannation.com uh if you're new to the program you know or you may not know but uh guardian nation is a is a it's kind of our our special membership part of what we do here at concealedcarry.com that's that's the that's where all the good stuff, the really, really good stuff happens. Everything else we do is also good, but uh, you want def- you definitely want to be part of Guardian Nation. Trust me. GuardianNation.com. Also, uh, we've teased for a while. I'm going to continue teasing it. I think you'll start seeing some emails and things going out here in the next few days, but we have a, a new home defense video course coming soon. Uh, stay tuned for further details. I'm super excited about that. We've spent a lot of man hours the last month, especially, working on getting this uh live and going so and there may be something special for guardian nation members as part of that launch as well i'm not exactly sure what that's going to look like yet but anyway folks checking in on facebook thanks for joining us and those of you that are not able to be a part of the facebook feed uh thanks for listening and appreciate your support of the podcast um if, it, if, it's, if it's been a while since you checked in with the as far as like if, you know if you haven't left a review or whatever yet would love for your review of the podcast and of course any questions anything you want to hit us up about best way to get a hold of us is send us an email at podcast at concealedcarry.com. And I don't remember who, what his name was the other day, but I literally said that the other day and somebody emailed like almost immediately after the podcast went live and said, is this the email? Did I get it right? 
and uh, didn't bother to, you know, I don't know who you were, sir, but uh, yeah, you got it right, buddy. I, I replied to you, but never did hear back from you. <laughs> so <laughs> anyway, podcast at concealedcarry.com. That's the best way to get a hold of us. So as I mentioned, uh, today's going to be a little bit of a discussion about mental health and guns and things, and it's going to be a good one. So buckle up and hang on. So I'm going to bring on now, officially now, uh, my special guest. We have Michael Sodini. Uh, Michael, uh, you've you've been in the industry for, well, a fair amount of time. Your family especially has been in the industry for a long time. Um, so let's start there, if it's all right, by introducing right. yourself just a little bit. Tell us about, about you. I know that your background is kind of interesting. In fact, reading your bio on your website, you're described as being the most ungun gun guy. So yes. what, what does that mean? So basically, uh, my family's been in the industry for over 30 years. Uh, technically, Eagle Imports is 30 years old. So they've been in the industry. I mean, I'm third generation. Um, so I've always been around the sales and marketing aspect of firearms. But uh, growing up in the places that I grew up, uh, super liberal places, right? I grew up in Jersey and San Francisco. <laughs> uh, and I'm a city boy. So I just did not have access to, uh, the firearms, the hunting aspect, the outdoor sports aspect uh, that most did. I, it was more or less like, um, yeah, these are guns. This is what our family does. Uh, especially growing up, most of them are all from Jersey and I was on the, on the West coast. So when I was there, it, it's not like in Jersey, you got guns everywhere, access to them. I just didn't have it. So when I first got in the industry, and I didn't think I was going to be in the industry. You know, I, I, I followed the path of nepotism, but it wasn't a guarantee. Uh, when I got in the industry, I was so, so green that people would say, like, you're like an ungunned gun guy. Like, you're the most ungunned gun guy. Like, I would sit there and fight for Second Amendment rights. And this is over the years, right? Like, I'm pro-gun, pro-this, pro-that. And then someone would hand me a rifle and I'd be like, okay, what, what do I do here? Like, what do I, And they're just like, okay, uh, he doesn't know what he's doing. You know, so it, it, it kind of was like a, a silly little name and it stuck, you know, so. Nice. Uh, yeah, I had to surround myself. That's why I surround myself with good people with knowledge of almost every firearm. Um, and over the years, I've definitely learned. Uh, but it's just it's something that I guess kind of played well, especially when I started doing media appearances because I did come off as like a gun guy or a gun snob or a know-it-all or, you know, that type <laughs> of deal, so. Um, I always tell this funny story when I first got in the industry, I, I literally just, uh, I didn't know any better. So I went to, I was, I was at a shoot and I was looking at, there's a particular company, um, I point. Okay. Uh, which <laughs> has sort of that reputation, but I was watching, uh, the guy from high point and he was sitting right next to one of the, uh, one of the much larger companies. And I'm, I'm not going to talk bad about that, but, the, you know, the guy from High Point, center mass, shooting all the, you know, shoot the target, just everything's perfect. And the other gun guy, his stuff's stovepiping, he's having all kinds of problems. <laughs> I would have walked away from that day and never held or, you know, shot a gun again. I would literally be like, yeah, you're going to want to stick with High Point. You're going to want to do that. Now, I having said that, I'm not disrespecting High Point at all. But see, that's the type of, I didn't have the prejudice going in. Right. So I was just looking at a functioning gun that was really inexpensive that worked and a more expensive gun. I'm like, oh, that thing doesn't work. You know what I mean? <laughs> so yep. I'm the ungun gun guy. I don't have prejudice. I don't I don't play those games. So that's what it is. 
you know, that, that, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, I, I could totally see that. And I think that that probably happens for a lot of people that come into the industry or come in, you know, they buy their first gun and <clears throat> they just don't know what they don't know. Uh, and, or they have that, that similar experience where they see, Hey, well, my buddy had one of these cheap high points and it seemed like it worked. Like that's all I need. Right. Right. And, uh, I, I'm with you, man. Like, I don't like to talk crap about, about anybody in the industry or anything, you know, any, any of the manufacturers, but obviously high point is a budget gun. It is right. for, you know, and, and that's, they intend it to be, uh, you know, but do they work? Yeah, they generally work. Uh, but yeah, uh, right. you know, I got, but you know, I do Bursa, right? Bursa yeah, was, yeah. When, I, when I first started as a, as a rep kind of in 2006, I was going around the country repping Bursa and repping Llama and guns that were considered in that high point type you know, we're all like, oh, they kind of lumped us all together. And I became friends with the high point guys and I couldn't understand it. Right. Because in my head, you know, like you had these people behind the counter, these gun stops, like we don't carry those cop killers. <laughs> and then you know, the other people are like, they're drunk. And I'm like, whoa, wait a second. <laughs> How can they be cop killers and junk? You got to pick one. <laughs> is it junk or is it? No. So like it was one of those things where I feel like that's Bursa had that same type of reputation when I started. Sure. Um, you had your people that were, you know, we love this gun. It's a very uh, inexpensive. Uh, the Thunder 380 was the big one. Um, but over the years I've done, you know, my team, we've, we've done everything to change that mentality to make it more of a mainstream. Like it's a great gun with a lifetime warranty. We stand behind it. Um, you know, so I sympathize with companies that kind of get that stigma that's put on them. And it's funny, I'm on here talking about, you know, we're going to be talking about mental health and the stigmas, but it right. is a stigma. It is, yeah. you know, um, you know, it, it's true. And, and obviously, I mean, there, there are guns that have reputations for being reliable and, and running well, uh, guns, especially that obviously that, that, that cops carry, uh, you know, there's some obvious brands out there that everyone knows. Uh, but interestingly enough, I've, I, I've seen every make every gun, every major model of gun. I've seen every single one fail. It's you know, on the range with malfunctions of some sort. We had one in a class we were teaching last weekend that I don't even know quite what what happened, but I am a certified armor on that particular gun. I we took it completely apart. Didn't find anything wrong. You just cleaned it up, lubed it. It didn't seem like it was dirty necessarily, but it just started having an issue with the trigger. But we took it apart. Didn't see anything wrong, evaluated it, stuck it back together, and it worked fine. So something happened, but you know, in the process of taking it apart, we we you know fixed it. But the point is, is you know, every gun is capable of malfunctioning or having problems. Uh, probably some more than others. But uh, so let's talk though about your guys' line of guns. Uh, Eagle Imports. You're involved with several brands that people are probably familiar with, but didn't realize that at least how those guns get to the U.S. comes a lot through your company. So tell us about Eagle Imports. Okay, so uh, basically Eagle Imports, thirty year old company. Um, we are, if you talk to people, we're considered an importer, right? That's like basically, oh, Eagle Imports, they import guns, but we're bigger than that. We're yeah. much more than that. We are actually we are just extensions of the manufacturers that we bring in because what you, and, and this is when I meet people that don't know anything about guns and they're, they're, they're just interested in what I do. This is the way I say it. I basically find manufacturers from all over the world that aren't big enough to have their own manufacturing here. I import their guns in the United States. I buy their guns from them and then import them into the U S then I handle their sales, their marketing, their customer service, and their warranty. 
So the Eagle team, basically, like I said, is an extension of that company. It's our job to, to get the product moving from the import side down to the distributor, down to the store, down to the civilian that walks in to protect themselves or, or buy a gun for whatever the reason be. Um, we're kind of the top of the food chain at the U.S. So that's what we do. And I do Bursa, which is out of Argentina, uh, Comanche, which is out of Argentina, uh, Grand Power, which is fairly new in the United States over the last few years, but they're out of Slovakia. Uh, and then Metro Arms, which is American Classic, Mac, SPS, which are race guns, um, and then Llama. We brought back the Llama name. And then I have a project in the United States that we're doing. This is my first foray into manufacturing. And we can do a whole nother show about yeah. the headache, the money. Uh, <laughs> this is why I drink martinis all day long. No, uh, <laughs> called Avidity Arms. And that's a project that I'm working on with Rob Pincus. Um, yep. You know, and, and that's, that's been, that's been interesting in itself. But so basically Eagle Imports is a, it's a vertical business model, right? So we have the importing side. Now we're getting into the manufacturing side. Um, and then I wanted to complicate my life even harder. And now I'm getting into uh, nonprofit. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, but Eagle Imports is a great company. I think we have one of the best uh, customer service teams in the world. Uh, honestly, <laughs> I say world because I think that's how much I believe in my team. Um, we have built these brands up and uh, we did it with a lot of guerrilla marketing and not a lot of money, uh, which is, you know, a testament to my team. And, uh, you know, like I said, a lot of people, I have a gun for everyone. I have a gun for the first time shooter. I have a gun for the guy who wants to throw something in his tackle box to protect himself. Then I have the guy who's a competition, IPSEC, IDPA, like all these, uh, you know, different other aspects to it. So, yeah. Now, tell me if I'm wrong, but if I was to take a guess at, uh, you know, all the different lines of guns or manufacturers that you guys deal in, <clears throat> I'm going to guess that probably, especially for the, this is the concealed carry podcast. So especially for the concealed carry minded individual that probably Bursa is your number one seller. Yes. Bursa is the number one seller, but also, well, yes, Bursa is the predominantly the biggest part of the business, but Bursa has yeah. also been around with us since True. the eight. Right. So, uh, it's, it's unfair to kind of, it's not apples to apples. Yeah. Though. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, Metro arms came about in, uh, you know, like the mid two thousands, uh, grand power has technically only been here. I say it's only been here three years because when we took on the line, we were the first people to do the whole line. We didn't just do one mm -hmm. model. Right. So, uh, for me, it's only three years old in the United States. Those, those, those lines all have potential to, to be, uh, the size of Bursa one day, but yeah, Bursa, yeah. yes, right. it is the biggest one. Bursa has a lot of, I mean, for the concealed carry market, Bursa has a lot of great guns. You know, and, yep. and, you know, you mentioned something earlier, which is kind of interesting. Uh, police, right? Uh, law enforcement. If you go to, say, Argentina or you go to like Uruguay, that's what the police carry. That's what their military yep. carries. And it's always kind of fast. I always tell this story. It's funny. I, every, I, I always look at the, the police officer's gun, especially when I see a Bursa, because it's not something you see in the United States. And so many times I've been like kind of staring at it and looking at it. And the cop looks over at me and catches me staring at the gun. <laughs> and it's always a weird thing because I'm like, I want to be like, no, you don't understand. I never see it on a cop. But like, I'm assuming that they're looking at me like, what is this kid doing? Is he eyeing my gun? <laughs> like, yeah. So, right. Yeah. yeah. You know, so I just mentioned it because, so 
most people are probably familiar with Bursa, you know, right? Because they've you're exactly it's been in the U.S. for for a couple of dec- you know, several decades now. Uh, I've got a Bursa, uh, the okay. 380 Thunder Plus, which I think is a is a cool little gun for its size, 15 round capacity. Yeah, it's a 380, but you know, it's a it's a cool little gun, and for me, it's it's run great. Um, <clears throat> well, I do have one thing I want to talk to you about it. <clears throat> offline though, but it's been a great little gun. It's a great shooter. Um, but I hope, American... it's, uh, hope it's something that I can solve and you'll go back and tell your listeners how <laughs> no. great our customer service is. What are you doing well, to me? <laughs> I, I don't know if it needs to be sent in or not. That, that's the thing. That's the, it's a, so anyway, I'll take it offline because I don't know exactly if it's an issue or not. Uh, but uh, so, okay. Um, American Classic, uh, Mac, SPS, uh, I, I'm, I'm just looking at your website, and l- those three lines appear like they make uh, 1911 or 2011 style guns. Is that true? Yes, and basically the way that, once again, I always like to talk in terms as the ungun guy talking to somebody that doesn't know anything about guns, right? I try mm-hmm. to make it people for easy to understand because I want to pe- get people into our industry and understand it's a safe space, no stupid questions. But so American Classic is like your entry level for the person that wants to get into 1911s or maybe even wants to get into shooting period. And they like 1911s. They like the look of them, the feel American classic has got you covered, right? Your standard mil spec 1911s. When you graduate to the Mac series, uh, I hate to do this, but it's true. So like what Kimber did to the rest of the industry by making these real kind of like slick competition, you know, a higher, uh, you know, I guess higher end models. Yeah. Um, at a at a much more affordable price. That's what Mac kind of does to Kimber now these days, yeah. right? Mac has so much. I mean, you're if you're looking at the website, or anyone who's listening right now can go to the website and look. Oh, they have some pretty slick guns there. Um, and, and, then and the have, website, by the way, folks, eagleimportsinc.com. Did I get that right? Yeah, or eagleimports.com. We have sure. both. Um, make it easy. And then when you go there. There is, we have a couple, the way you navigate through all this, because it's a lot to take in, right? There's a lot of SKUs. There's a lot of guns. Is it, it breaks down each manufacturer, separates them, right? But we also have a really cool gun finder on our website um, where someone could go there and say, look, I'm interested in concealed carry. And it tells you all the different concealed carry models that we have by brand, but it puts them together. So you yeah. can kind of. I'm doing uh, that right now, by the way, and it, it works great. It's cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's the only way to kind of tell the story uh, of Eagle Imports without confusing people, right? <laughs> but like, you know, so then you have your Mac, you have the Mac line under Metro Arms, but then you have the SPS line, and those are your race guns, right? That's for the serious competitor. That's a guy who wants the alternative to, you know, an STI. Um, so SPS kind of gives you all that stuff at an affordable price, uh, all the bells and whistles. And then you have the Llama brand, which I think the Llama brand is it's got a strong name. It's been there forever. It means something to me because that's how I started when I repped Llama and I left rep Bursa. Mm-hmm. But that'll have everything. He's going to come out with a polymer gun. He's going to come out with a revolver gun. That kind of Llama is his way of breaking out of the 1911 box that he's in. Yeah. So now, Llama, you know, the, the one that definitely I think catches a lot, a lot of folks in the concealed carry markets attention is the Micromax. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Tell us was, a little bit about that one. Okay. So the micro max, basically when I was, uh, repping and I was going around the country and I'd go into gun stores, the micro max 380 was this little concealed, uh, like 1911 
it looks like a 1911, but it comes in 380, right? It's very tiny. You can hide it. It's actually the gun that I don't know if you ever saw the movie, the Mexican with yeah. uh, Julia Roberts. It's the one that James Gandolfini was popping out behind the door and shooting everybody with like uh, <laughs> in that movie. So it's, it's a little claim to fame, uh, but basically that is the best concealed carry model that, that the Metro arms line has. Uh, it's fairly new. We, we, when llama went out of business in, you know, the mid two thousands, uh, we owned the name in the United States and we wanted to bring it back just because there's a lot of people that actually like llama. And that was the initial like flagship gun we wanted to, to kind of launch with to say, look, we're bringing back the micro max, which was the most popular model. Yeah. And it's a slick little gun. It's got, you know, really cool sights. I mean, I know there's other companies out there that are, are, are doing something similar, but for the price and what you get, um, and if you compare them to those other companies, I'm yeah. you'd be pleased. You know, the best way I would describe it is that, you know, there's, there, there are, this is a 1911 shrunk down in, into a 380 form, but not shrunk down in the same way that you see some of your competitors uh, that, you know, like they really take it to a whole new level. There's it, you know, it, the, the proportions a little bit different. They look maybe a little bit odd. This one literally looks like if you put it on the screen, you're looking at it, you would think it's just a 1911. But the reality is, it's quite a bit smaller, and it shoots 380. Yeah, it's it's. We just started shipping those too, like cool. in the last couple of months. So it's it's fairly new, but it is a fun little gun to shoot. And it's you know, like you said, it's cute, <laughs> right? <laughs> I didn't I didn't use the word, but uh, that's yeah. yeah, okay. I can see it in your face. Like, it's a cute little 1911 guy. Cute. <laughs> Uh, they got ground power, which you mentioned is from Slovakia, and they're making a, kind of a what a, a tr- more of a traditional, well, traditional, traditional now by today's standards, uh, a polymer framed uh, uh, gun, right? Yes, and what makes ground power unique? There's a couple different things. Um, first of all, badass gun. Uh, I'm not going to lie; like it is a badass gun. They 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 do not, you know, we don't have warranty issues. They're like little tanks, right? Mm. Um, because he machines every part and he has one armor, put the whole thing together from start to finish. So like they know the way they do it, it it's an old way of doing it, but I mean, you want quality and uh, for anybody knows or has a European wife, right? Like I do, <laughs> I'm married to a Slovakian uh, by coincidence, uh, had nothing to do with the grand power people. I, I was with her before I met the people from grand power, but it, in Europe, they believe that they, they stick to that whole thing, pay more, for quality, right? Like, whereas in the United States, we're kind of like, we're volume people, right? We're, we like, uh, we like to sell things in volume, but maybe we just go a little bit, you know, lighter on, on the cost of doing it because it's free market, but they, they stick to that whole, you know, let's make it a good gun that will last forever for you. And that won't have any issues. Uh, the other thing that makes them very unique is that they have rotating barrels. Mm. Uh, most of rotating lockup. Yeah. And delayed uh, uh, action on the recoil. Yes. Uh, basically helps with muzzle flip. Uh, I brought it just, I, I grabbed a couple ones before we, nice. we went live, but, um, and it may be hard to see for the people, but you know, you get that rotating barrel system. Yep. And uh, that definitely helps with recoil, muzzle flip, everything like that. Uh, the latest with Grand Power, which is, you know, if we're just going to get into a couple gun things here, is they have, uh, they have what's called the Q100 and the Q1S. It's their first striker fire guns. I know this is concealed, concealed carry show. Those two models are perfect for uh, concealed carry. Um, you know, they're basically nine millimeters. 
They yeah. have all the, you know, best thing to do is go to the website, check out, you know, all the different models they offer. But the Q1S is the perfect gun for concealed carry if you're going to stick with the Grand Power brand. Every single gun I sell to, by the way, has a lifetime warranty. We stand behind it. Um, that's important for us and that's important awesome. for people to know. So, no, that's great. Yeah. You know, I, that that's hard to compete with, you know, I mean, people might sometimes be a little bit wary of, uh, venturing into maybe some of these lesser known brands, but just knowing that if there's something that goes wrong with it, you know, if, and obviously you're telling us, especially with the grand powers, like you're not seeing warranty issues, a lot of them, but if there's a problem, you guys, you're there, your team. So now folks are hearing for the, you know, directly through the podcast, you're the guy behind these companies here in the U S that is going to take care of you. That's going to make it right. I, yes. And, uh, actually like, and you know, I'm always hesitant to say this because I, I don't want people to get the wrong impression. Um, that I'm not answering the phones in Jersey when you call, but <laughs> I promise you this, if there's an issue, there is no other president of a gun company that will get on the phone with the person. If my team can't solve it, it's not solved to your satisfaction. You're getting a personal phone call from me. You're getting my cell phone number and that's, that's unique. And I always like to, I, I make jokes to people that they tell me what are the, I say, Hey, you ever have an issue? See if you can get the president of Ruger to call you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I, Chris is a dear friend of mine, but it's true. Uh, we stand behind our product. Um, I don't, I, you know, that's what we want. We want you to be comfortable with the purchase because we know we have to live up to a higher standard because um, I almost feel that sometimes with some of these other guns that people pay a thousand dollars for or $800 for, and you know, granted there's, there's some $800 guns in the, grand power line, but we're, we're almost held to a different standard. Like with Bursa, Hey, I bought this gun. I don't want you to regret it. You know what I mean? I don't want you to be like, Oh, I knew I shouldn't have bought a uh, $280, 380. You know, I knew it was going to be piece truck. I don't want that. I want you to know that something might've happened, but we'll take care of it. We stand behind it and you have somebody that you can contact and we get back in touch with you. We stay with you through the process, the warranty process. Uh, that's important for us. Yep. Awesome. Awesome. Cool, man. Uh, oh, we, I think we missed, there's two more in case you couldn't tell, I've been just working my way down the list here. Uh, as it is in the order on your website, Comanche looks like you guys make, uh, revolvers, make revolvers. Uh, there's nothing special about these revolvers. We, we, we've always kind of said inexpensive revolver. Most people buy those to kind of throw in their tackle box put into something that they can bang it up. Um, the 45 410 is our number one seller there. Uh, I've seen, I've literally walked up on uh, farms where people are like, I got two of those on my, you know, uh -huh. RV and I use them for snakes. Sure. And it's like one of those fun little guns. That's what, that's what they are. Um, their shipping schedules to the United States are not always on point. So they're not uh, available all the time, but when they do ship, we, everyone's right out the door. So, uh, that's what Comanche is. Cool. And I think the last one you're going to talk about is yeah, you, you you're sporting <laughs> the hat there, brother. Avidity. <laughs> yes. So Avidity tell us about Arm. that. All right. So Avidity Arms. Uh, it was a concept that that uh, me and Rafael Davale, my my national sales manager, came up with. It said, "What if we were to basically find celebrities or people that are big in the self defense world or whatever it is, whatever their niche is, like let's find them and have them." design a gun um, and kind of say, look, we'll make it. 
you you design it. And of course, Rob Pincus, everybody knows that he's attached to this. Uh, Rob basically made a baby, right? With, the, with everything that he loved about <laughs> certain aspects of guns. And he'll tell you it's the ultimate self-defense gun. Um, nine millimeter PD-10. Um, unfortunately, uh, and, and, and j- it's just, I love to be transparent. We kind of made a mistake of letting the world see the process from start to finish. And when you self-fund a, a gun, um, that kind of has come back to haunt us because we've had hiccups along the way and not in terms of necessarily a problem with the gun. It's a problem with the industry. The money's dried up for a little bit. You know, we've had a couple slumps. Uh, those are the type of things that, that have affected us where we had to put other things on hold. Um, you know, and also too, when you deal as it, my advice to anybody that wants to build a gun and go into manufacturing, find one manufacturer that could do everything from, uh, you know, beginning to end. Don't piece it. Don't have this guy making this over here and this guy making this over here. Cause as you know, with anything, especially like you used to be in construction, your suppliers don't only don't always necessarily hit your timelines because things yeah. come up with them or machines break or that type of thing. But we are very close. We're in the final testing phase um, where, you know, you've seen us online shooting the guns. So they do exist. I know we take a lot of heat from people who are like, when's this thing ever going to come out? <laughs> oh, I'll believe it when I see it. It's a unicorn. Well, it is a unicorn, man. A unicorn is a special thing that you should be willing to wait for. Okay. Cause then you're going to have a unicorn in your house. <laughs> so that's what yeah. a bit of the arms is. Yeah. Hey, you know, it looks like a really cool little, uh, little gun. Now, Rob's been promising, promising me for quite some time that I'm going to be able to actually shoot one because I know he's got one somewhere. Oh, and uh, <laughs> we just yes. we haven't been able to, to to meet up yet and do that. Um, but uh, it, it really looks like a really, really great gun. Uh, I, I like the design aspect of it. I like the form factor. Uh, you know, single stack, but kind of a little, you know, a little bit bigger than what a lot of single stacks are out there that are hitting the market. And that makes it a lot easier to shoot, but it's still going to be pretty uh, concealable for most people. Now, I I believe if I heard correctly that you're going to have a, so the PD-10 is a 10 round gun, uh, but you're also going to have a eight round version. Is that right? Yes. We are going to go for a more compact version. Uh, Obviously Rob is, I mean, I assume that most every one of your listeners, uh, everyone out there knows who Rob Pincus is and yeah. he's big on, uh, you know, personal defense and he's big on concealed carry, right? Those are his, those are his things. So of course he wants to to hit both those marks. Uh, we started with the 10 round just because it was unique. Um, you know, that, that was a bear in itself, right? Finding a 10 round nine millimeter magazine to build a gun around. Like mm-hmm. that's, you know, these are these little things that, like I said, they, they came back to haunt us in public, the court of public opinion. <laughs> but um, I, I really wish that we would have documented all this better with like a reality crew for somebody that'd be interesting to see like one of those crazy Netflix documentaries that like I'm up at four in the morning. Oh, this is kind of cool. I've seen a, a gun be built from start to finish, uh, you know, that type of thing. But um, yeah, we're going to go with a, a, a more compact model. That's that's version two. I got to get to version one, man. My, yep, yep. my wallet is just. <laughs> <laughs> no, I hear you. I hear you. 
Yeah, no, we definitely want to see it hit the market, you know, eventually. So uh, we're going to, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll pray for you, brother. <laughs> no, thank you. Thank you. I sit in, sometimes I'm in interviews and I hear what Rob says. And, he, and Rob's, you know, Rob's mind races, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. genius of Rob. And Rob's like talking about gun number four. And I'm like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, I, I think it's pretty cool. I think it's exciting to see. I, I think the design, I think it's going to be a hit. Uh, especially with certain segments of the industry that are going to really, really like a gun like that. Um, so yeah, you know, like good luck. I, I, I know what it's like a little bit, you know, I, you, you mentioned I used to work in construction. I used to have a construction business. I, I have done a couple different jobs in my career in the construction industry. And you know, it's not that all that, not all that dissimilar from I'm trying to do a project and you know, because of the nature of that project or whatever that I've got 12 different subcontractors on it. Right. Yeah. And you're trying to get everybody lined up just just when they need to be, you know, be there on the day they're supposed to be there, get materials there by the, you know, certain time frame. So you hit all these marks and then one of them stumbles and everything else gets totally screwed up. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Thousand percent. I, I real fast and we can move on. But I had a company the other day that's doing six of our parts. A month ago, I had talked to the owner of that company. And he had said, and I'm not going to say the company's name because I'm going to give him sure. a chance to fix this. But um, he had said, we're going to start your parts in a week, right? And then he had a two to three week from that from the time it starts to the time it finishes. Well, two to three weeks pass. We don't hear anything. I, get a, I had to call the guy and he literally says to me, we had issues with a certain machine. We had to delay yours. He didn't tell me this. <laughs> but now, okay, we're in a situation where he's not starting until next week now. So we lost a month and I'm stuck now because I, it's not that easy to take the six parts out of there and find another company because they got to stop what they're doing and make me a priority. Yep. So those are the things that people at home, I, I wish they could see those things. Some of it's out of Rob's control. Some of it's out of my control. You know, um, and you, it, if it was as easy as uh, I was going to buy this from Dairy Queen, but, you know, <laughs> Dairy Queen screwed up my Sunday. Now I'm going to go over to, you know, the local Sunday shop down the street. Hey, no problem. Right. That works. You take your business elsewhere. Unfortunately, sometimes you're at the mercy at of these suppliers and you're right. Thousand yeah. <laughs> percent. Cool, man. Glad to yeah. find a correlation between the construction industry and the gun industry. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's shift gears now. Uh, walk the talk, America. So what we have here is we've, we've got you, a manufacturer in the gun industry, and all of a sudden, one, well, I don't know if it's, you, you can describe it yourself, but all of a sudden one day you wake up and you're like, I want to do something where we tackle the issue of mental health and guns and bring that together into an organization and, and walk the talk America is birthed or born. Right. Yes. Um, okay. So let, let, let's start off with just talking about my background with mental health. Um, I, and I, and this story has come out. Uh, I, it's personal to me. Um, when I came back to work for my family, uh, we had a president running the company. He was also a dear friend of everybody on my teams. He was almost like family himself. He was a, he was the president of the company, and he literally took his own life one day. Um, he went to he he had something traumatic happen to him. Um, he felt there was, I guess, no other way out of it. 
he went to our office in New Jersey. He went into one of the safes um, in the warehouse, went to his house, uh, took the firearm and took his own life. And it was always a crazy thing for us because we, we talk about it now. We, it's something that we don't know how we even really dealt with it. We don't even know if we ever got closure from it. Um, yeah. we, we had to keep moving, right? We had to keep going, but at the same time, we didn't have any answers. Um, and at the time we were all so naive. Like now we, everyone in my office can talk about mental health, uh, much more comfortably, much more trying to understand that, you know, so it's a personal project for me, for, for, for Bill, Bill was, was family. Um, and, and it was tough because Bill and I, we would hit the road. We were always at the NRA show. Uh, you know, but at the time he killed himself, I was with him for like, I would say about six weeks straight, uh, being a road warrior. Right. And, and when he did this, of course, everybody wanted answers from me because I'd spent so much time with him. So they're like, I had family members at the funeral, like pulling me aside, being like, Mike, okay, look, we're alone. No one's listening. What, what you had to have seen something. And I'm like, I, I didn't see anything. As a matter of fact, like he talked in the future, he talked about everything in the future. Like we're going to be doing this and we got to get tickets for this. And we got to go here for this show. So uh, mental health is something that's very special to me. Um, I also was married to a woman, the mother of my children. And, and we have, uh, and when she's not having her battles, uh, she's an excellent co-parent, um, but she suffers from it. So I did 13 years um, living with somebody that suffers or battles mental illness. She's a good person, but Unfortunately, because she battles with these things, sometimes the answers these days is incarceration or, you know, those those type of things. So mental health is important to me. And and over the years, I started off as the same guys like, oh, it's just crazy people or why are you acting like this? Or uh, and now I'm I'm in a different place. I'm older. I'm more, you know, uh, comfortable in my skin. I have two beautiful daughters. Um, I was looking at the situation as. I've always wanted to do something in mental health. Uh, and by the way, just so you know, I, like this is a topic that I'll just start rambling on. So if you have a question, just cut me off. Um, but okay, so how Walk the Talk was built was I was with my national sales manager, Rafael Davale. Uh, we were in New Orleans and uh, we were having dinner uh, with a, another friend of ours, one of his friends that we met down there. And I had gotten up to go to the bathroom. I came back and we were, it was a very crowded restaurant. There was a woman there reading a book by herself. Um, really cool. Apparently Raphael had read the book. So we sat there, we were kind of chopping it up with her and uh, we went to go to the table and I was like, man, she's, she's there by herself. Let's go grab her. Like, let's see if she wants to have dinner with us. Cause she was there for like a conference or something like that. And she ends up saying, Hey, I'll sit down at the table with you. She had a, a son that had, had uh, basically has autism, uh, special needs. So somehow we got on the subject of mental health and then we transitioned into guns. And she said, how does the whole gun thing work? I'm not anti-gun, but I'm not pro-gun. I just don't, it's not my thing. So I'm curious. So we start talking about shootings and everything. And we said, well, people blame the gun. And then we turn and we blame uh, mental health. And then it's a vicious cycle and nothing ever happens because we wait for legislation and nothing ever happens. And she literally goes, uh, <laughs> so you know what the problem is. How do you work hand in hand with mental health? Cause like you, that's the problem, right? You understand that if you're saying it's mental health, how do you work hand in hand with them? I said, I don't think we do. And of course, you know, Raphael and I are 
20 vodka sodas deep. Uh, Roth says to me, Hey, we really should do something as an industry. We should, you know, he's like, he joked around. He said, Mike, you should give a dollar a gun for everything you, you, you sell and, and donate it to mental health. And it was kind of tongue in cheek, but half serious. But I became obsessed with the idea because mm. I was like, man, this makes complete sense. Like this lady kind of is such a simple concept, but she put it in perspective. Like it really does make sense. If we're going to say it's mental health, we should be trying to do something about it, not just say mental health, take the heat off of us. Right. So then um, I go home. I live in Vegas and uh, obviously with uh, October one here, it's, it's, you know, mental health is yep. a, a huge thing. Trauma uh, is a huge thing. That, that had to really hit home uh, close to home for you. Yes, absolutely. I have, uh, I, I have friends that were there. I, I didn't lose anybody that was close to me, but I have friends that lost really close people to them. So I was able to watch, uh, kind of the trauma they go through. Right. I, I have one buddy that, that lost a wife. I had never met his wife, but, um, you know, it's things like that, that it, those things do hit close to home. It's, uh, it's people don't understand when tragedy happens, it's not just the victims, right? It's like a grenade going off and we have the, the people that are the relatives, the, the friends, uh, the, even the strangers, right. That, that are holding somebody while, while, I mean, I hate to be this harsh, but while someone's brains leaked out or something like that, or, yeah. or they watch them take their last breath, that's going to have a profound effect on the rest of their life. And this is where trauma mitigation uh, is so important because people say, well, well, that person didn't die. Well, no, but that person is, is now more, there's the, li very likely to have a very tough life after that. And maybe that's, how, and they manifest it with uh, alcoholism mm -hmm. or maybe they beat their wife. Or maybe they have a drug problem in six years because it's something they never dealt with. Um, and that, and kind of circling back to Eagle Imports after Bill took his own life. Um, you know, that's one of the things I always wonder about my crew, right? Because we never really addressed it. It was kind of like, this is a shame. We cried. Yeah. We asked why. But, you know, looking back at the time, I, I now wish I would have brought counselors in. I know that sounds crazy. But maybe we could have done it as a group, you know. Yeah. Well, it may have sounded crazy then, but I, I wouldn't say it sounds crazy now, right? Right. You know. So that's that's the thing. Like, <clears throat> and that's one thing that I've observed. I, probably every one of us, whether you know you and I, obviously you, um, and listeners of this podcast, I, I'm sure everyone knows at least one individual that struggles with some sort of mental health issue, and many of us, probably most of us perhaps all of us, uh, if you've been live long enough, definitely it'd be the case, know somebody that's committed suicide, right? And the way suicide has been handled in this country, uh, and still is to a large extent, is that it happens uh, and people are ashamed or embarrassed. Families are, you know, because they feel like it reflects on them as a family or as a spouse that, oh, you know, this makes it appear as though there's something wrong with me or with my family or with that person that committed suicide, that there's, that there's, you know, we're not this perfect picture of a family that everybody thinks that we were. It, Cause there's plenty of times where things happen and people just don't necessarily see it coming it, after the fact, they might look back and go, Oh, like that's what they meant when they said this or when they did that. But you think life's just going along and everything's good. And next thing you know, someone that's really close to you is gone. And then, yeah. so we feel embarrassed and ashamed and we want to just sort of quietly, you know, deal with that and, and some, in some cases sweep it under the rug. 
And I think that hasn't done anything to help us address the issue of suicide mental health because we're just, we're, we're trying to stick it in the dark corner someplace and not address it. And I I appreciate, I I think that's what you're, you're trying to get at as an organization as walk to talk America uh, is to bring it out more into the open, but also to address it from, uh, you know, an angle that is probably unexpected to some people, especially outside the gun industry. They a lot of the, a lot of people outside the gun industry look at us and say, you know, you're just evil, you know, child killer people. You know, like you, you make guns, you shoot guns, you love guns, you won't give up your guns. And meanwhile, we watch, you know, time after time after time, these these individuals with mental health issues most of the time that don't know how to deal with their mental health issues, and they have this anguish, this hurt, this whatever it is inside them, and they lash out. And they they do it with a gun, and so outside the industry, we're viewed as being these evil people that are just supporting, you know, quietly supporting and providing the tools and the culture to you know allow that to take place. And so I appreciate someone like you saying from within the industry, we need to do something about this. We need to find solutions. We need to bring it out in the open and talk about it and find solutions. Yeah, anytime something emotional happens, um, whether that's uh, you know, like last week when th- this, this, this horrible tragedy happened in uh, Pittsburgh hmm. or, or just anyone from just like having a friend take their life. It's an emotional experience. Right. And if you're not a, if you're not a second amendment gun person, um, it's very easy to, to be emotional about it. Um, and then it's very easy for, for us to get emotional when people uh, kind of disregard our compassion Right. Because yeah. in their world and the way they envision it, and part of that's the media's fault, part, you know, part of its identity politics. Right. There's all these different layers to it. But they they envision like we're sitting there cheering when tragedy happens because it means more gun sales. They're not there when some of these things have happened. And I've literally watched presidents of other gun companies literally put their head down and just feel like they look like they're crushed because they know what that means. Uh, we're going to get stigmatized. Uh, people are going to think that we're these death merchants that are laughing and we're not. I, I've never heard anybody get happy over tragedy in our industry. I've just never seen it. Uh, I, I mean, as a matter of fact, like I have discussions with a lot of uh, other companies that some that are similar like mine, some are just straight manufacturers. And we talk about how awful it is because we can't get a, a real pace of business, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Because it, I mean, we want that steady flow because then we know where we're going. When you have these spikes and then you have these drops, so, you know, they drop significantly down. You can't, it's hard to run a business like that. It's hard to give forecasts like that to manufacturers. Yeah. There's all these things that we hate about it. But most importantly, we just hate it. it has nothing to do with business. Like we, we, we don't want, uh, we don't want to be stuck with that stigma. Like, okay, uh, we, all we care about is making these things that take people's lives. It's unfair. But unfortunately, I get why people go there. I get why we get defensive and emotional. But that's exactly what Walk the Talk America is, is here to do. Like, that's we want to bridge the gap. We want to talk about it. Um, and I don't know if you have any more comments on that subject, but I can get into yeah. you know. Well, you bring up a good point, you know, as far as as a manufacturer and as an importer. Uh, this this frustration that I sense, you know, I mean, it, it, and rightfully so, that just this this roller coaster ride, right? You know, uh, one politician says something about taking guns away and gun sales. A lot of times, you know, people that that's how that's the nature of of our community. Like, oh man, like 
they might take guns away, so we better run to the gun store and buy a gun now, you know? Yeah, fear buying, yeah. And, and, and that's, you know, like, that's understandable. Um, you know, and then, I don't know, everybody's, you know, people talk about the Trump slump, right? I don't know right. if people thought Trump would get elected, uh, but I definitely know that people thought that if Hillary got ele- elected that, uh, you know, she, there was going to continue to be this threat against uh, our industry and against the Second Amendment. And uh, that didn't happen. So I, I feel like right now we as a community and as an industry, well, mainly the, the, the gun owners, I mean, we're just kind of like in this, hey, everything's cool right now, right? Like everything's right. chill. And uh, I, I'd like to see us continue to, uh, you know, not that we have to have panic buying, right? But I right. guess I'd like to see us as a community not be so emotional with our buying, continue to be gun loving, you know, shooting second amendment supporting people and continue to buy and support this industry and and enjoy those things that we enjoy. But also when something starts looking like there might be more gun control in the way, not necessarily, you know, jumping to conclusions and assume like something really bad is going to happen and panic buy, you know, run to the store immediately and start clearing the shelves, you know? So yeah, like that roller coaster ride can, and we actually, you know, we're not directly involved in the industry from a gun manufacturing or importing side, but concealedcarry.com, we, we are also impacted by this. And right now, I'd say our business is in a little bit of a, you know, it's been, it, it's it's been a little bit roller coaster even just this year. And sometimes we'll see, you know, things like with a active shooting, you know, a mass shooting, uh, Pittsburgh, you know, after that happens, we'll see this little like this, and and it's it's a it's a challenge emotionally as a business because you don't want your business to succeed on the blood of others. Right. You don't want to stand on graves. Yeah. Right. But, yeah. uh, that's kind of like what happens a little bit and it's, it's hard. It's, it's emotion. That's what I mean. It's, it's difficult emotionally. Yeah. Well, first of all, uh, if there's one thing I could say, you're not alone. <laughs> like, uh, every business is hurting, man. Trust yep. me. Yep. I mean, down from the dealer level to, and, Part of that is our own fault. Some of our bigger manufacturers, uh, you know, when we were riding the wave, we we all pushed on the gas and we started making a lot of goods. Um, yep. uh, you know, I tell you know, when I talk to people that aren't in the industry, I try to put it in perspective, and I also try to put it in perspective in the sense that I want to show people: Do we really have a huge gun issue? Um, I'm a small guy. Okay, there's a lot of your listeners right now that are probably like, I've never even really heard of Eagle Imports or, you know, these guns. And I can, I bring in anywhere, depending on what year, I would say between 50,000 to 80,000 guns. Okay, those are guns that none of them are for law enforcement, none of them for the military. If I'm that, if I'm a tiny guy and I do that many guns, what do you think Glock, Smith & Wesson, Ruger, right. HK, Springfield? Okay, like all these guns, right? High Point, Char- uh, Charter. Yep. Uh, yeah, look, just think about that. Like, think about that. Do we really have a grasp on how many firearms are in the United States compared to the population, right? Yeah. Like, that. that's an interesting thing. Um, but it, it, everybody's hurting. Everyone's in the same thing. And, and, and we're, now we're in the same thing right now with elections. None of this stuff helps, right? But one thing I can agree on, if you are the most anti-gun liberal person to the left and you are the most far to the right, we hate it when people die. Yep. Like, we hate it when children die in schools and we hate it when there's tragedy. I, I, I have yet to run into somebody on both sides that's like, that's awesome. That's great for our industry or this is awesome. Guns are going to get banned because of it. No. And that's what 
walk the talk really is, right? It's bringing people together because let's find the things that we agree on. Mm. We'll, let's let the legislators do whatever they want. Okay. We're, we're all law abiding citizens. We're going to have to obey the law anyway. So if they, they're going to figure it out. Let, I wanted to create a space where it's like, I don't really care if you play identity politics, you're not going to do it. If you hang with me, uh, I don't care if you're black, white, green, uh, gay, straight, what I don't really care. Check it at the door. All I know is that we can raise money on both sides so I can approach the president of Ruger, the president of Glock, and I could also approach, I could approach David Hogg if I wanted to and say, hey, man, you make a lot of noise and you got a big following. And I agree. But pony up some money because here's the policies and things that I'm doing. I'm working with mental health. I'm working to get upstream to prevent the unpredictable. I want to get to the youth and I want them to talk about mental health as if they talk about their stomach ache or the flu. Yep. Because that's the problem. Nobody talks about it. And then you have situations where... One of the organizations that I work with is Mental Health America, and I'm kind of jumping around a lot. This is, this is the problem when I talk about this <laughs> stuff because I get excited. Um, but I had found a, 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 an organization called Mental Health America. Okay, and what makes this organization special? Because I know a lot of people that are listening and a lot of people that are, are on the Facebook Live might say, well, how do you know that they actually have our best interests, right? How do you know they're not trying to sneak in through the window and then Got them. I'm putting all these gun restrictions or this is what I'm trying to do. What drew me to them was a proposition paper. And everybody at home can Google this right now. It's proposition uh, paper uh, 72. It's, and it's where they declared they took a stance on guns. And they said, we do not take a stance on guns because we don't believe in stigmas. And what they said is we don't take the stance on guns because we don't want, we hate it when, People say it's another crazy person with a gun. It's a lunatic with a gun. So that made me think about my language, right? Because then I put it together. I was like, if all my, if I have a friend that's suffering from mental illness and he's sitting next to me and I keep just talking about crazy people and they need to keep these lunatics from guns and he might not be going through something as deep as I'm going to go get a gun and go do something to myself or other people, but he might say, man, I have some bad days. You know, I came back from Afghanistan and sometimes I go to dark places. I can't talk about it in front of Mike because Mike has no compassion. Mike's not going to be able to talk to me about helping me through this, that maybe I hear a voice or two every once in a while, or maybe I just think dark thoughts. I don't act on them, but I can't talk to Mike about it. And hell, I don't want to lose my gun rights. I don't want, you know, I'm a, I'm a firearms instructor that has, uh, deals with anxiety and depression, but I'm afraid to tell somebody because I might lose my livelihood that feeds yeah. my kids. I'm not a dangerous person, right? Like those are the things that it made me think. And what's crazy is it made me think about my language. And I was yeah. like, man, I never thought about it that way. And it wasn't that I didn't have compassion. I just kept belittling it and putting it that way, right? So that's why I fell in love with the MHA. And here's the kicker. And we can get to this soon, but I just signed a deal with them that we are literally going to stand hand in hand. And they put in the document that I signed that they will never do anything to jeopardize the rights of gun owners. And they don't mm -hmm. believe in it. How powerful is that? That's awesome. Yeah. That, that is super powerful. So, yeah. so dude, that's huge news. I didn't even know that. And uh, that, that gets me really excited because you just launched Walk the Talk America, what, a couple months ago, three, four, yeah, five about, months ago? Yeah. Four months ago, basically. Yeah. yeah. And I know from get from the get-go, your you know, a major goal was to work hand in hand with 
mental health, you know, organizations to work together to address these issues. And in four months, you've, I'd say, gone a long ways already towards accomplishing that goal. You are actually the first person in the media that I have told that that has been signed. Nice. Um, uh, it's kind of interesting. I, the other day, I, uh, I, they had had a proposal and I countered and then they came back last Thursday and I was with my national sales manager. I said, we just made history and no one knows about it. <laughs> you know, cause like to me, it was history. It was a historic moment in the industry. Um, the NSSF, it, they have been so good to me. Um, and for people that don't know exactly what that is, because you might just have somebody that's not an industry person that's right. in the listening. The NSSF is basically an organization for the shooting sports. They are the ones that put on SHOT Show. Um, they gave me a free SHOT Show booth. Uh, that's what they donated to the cause. Um, one of the cool nice. things about this SHOT Show is we're going to have a Walk the Talk America booth, but it's going to be manned by not only industry professionals like me and Rob, um, but we're also gonna have Mental Health America people there, and we're gonna have Nevada Coalition for Suicide Prevention there, working the booth. Um, we're bringing this world into ours, and we're gonna show them that we're good people, and they're gonna be blown away. I know they are, and they're excited about that, because they don't know, right? Um, it's an education process on both sides. Um, I have all these little cute, funny stories that I've collected over the four months of doing this, but, you know, when I was sitting with Debbie Plotnick, who is the vice president of Mental Health America, we created a safe space. We created a friendship. So there's no stupid question for Debbie. So she'll just make statements sometimes. And uh, it's cute because I realized that she's she sat in an echo chamber and she's only got her news from one source about firearms. But she'd be the first one to admit it. So I'm not talking out of school. But like one day she looks at me and she's like, Mike, if we could work together, this would be huge. Could you imagine one day if we could get a a lock in every gun that's sold. And I had to process that, right? I go, You're like, Debbie. wait a minute. Yeah. I go, Debbie, Debbie, that's a federal law. We do that. Like, and she's like every gun. And I go, yes, yeah. every gun that's sold. Now I understand why she didn't understand that. Right. I get it because once again, everyone has made her believe that we're just cheering for uh, tragedies and we're just like, you know, we're, we're irresponsible. We're not. What I can't wait to show her at SHOT Show is how responsible and how awesome the people are in our industry, the mm -hmm. Second Amendment supporters. Um, going to these companies, seeing how professional they are, right? Uh, how big we are in compliance. How big, I mean, I told Debbie, yeah. I said, I've gone on interviews before where I'm looking at a camera like this, and I have literally flashed uh, a firearm across the screen that is empty everyone knows it's empty and i've had people ride me about flashing the screen with the you know what i mean you like, just muzzled me bro yeah <laughs> but like okay but in one sense that's a little extreme to me but i yeah. get it but that just shows the quality of people we have we have people that are kind of like a little crazy about it but that yep. you know and that other side never sees that they never see hey i taught my son he he's he can handle a gun better than i can like he's you know <laughs> There's so many things that I can't wait to show that side, but we're going to work together. There's, uh, and we can get to that. We got a lot of things that we're doing. Um, I have some really cool policies that are in this this document that we signed um, that I think people are going to be proud I'm of. Excited and, to see this. Yeah, and and you know, here's the cool thing. Don't and for everyone that's listening, don't just assume it has anything to do with firearms. We're going to go deeper than that. We're going to take our money 
And we're going to try to get to, like I said, upstream to prevent the unpredictable. We're going to go into schools and we're going to have kids. We're going to create a safe space where they can. Um, I, I just got to give it to you in an example. Mm. Okay. Can I give it to you an example? Yep. All right. There, there is uh, the MHA's website, uh, mentalhealthamerica.net. They have a screening service that's, that's free and anonymous. Okay. Uh, you can go on there and if you think you suffer from anxiety or you think you suffer from depression or schizophrenia, you can go on there and take certain tests. Oh, I see that right uh, here. Take a screen. Yeah. Take a screen. This is a really, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to make this personal now. Mm-hmm. And I think my daughter one day will probably kill me when she goes back to look at all this stuff. But, but, uh, one of the things that I love about that is it is anonymous. You don't have to give them information that tracks you. No one's going to be knocking at your door saying, Hey, you took this test. Like, you know, we got to see if you have guns in the house. No, uh, it, it helps you get to resources and it helps you understand if you have something. Now I have an 11 year old daughter. Okay. One day she's in the car with me and she's been able to watch the last four months. She's been with me on the phone when I'm having these conference calls with these people. Right. And mm. putting this stuff together. So she's kind of been watching a documentary herself like just watching daddy do media appearances and all this stuff. So one day she goes to me, dad, I suffer. I think I suffer from anxiety. And I said, sweetheart, why do you think that? And and she gave me a couple of reasons. And I, I didn't want to say anything because it's different. I said, Hey, listen, what you should do is I said, you know, that, that MHA, the, the organization that daddy's working with, go to their website. When you have a free, free moment, fill out, they have an anxiety test, fill out the questions, Fill them out honestly, honey. Do not tell them what you think they want to hear. Just fill them out for yourself honestly, and then you'll see where you stand. I don't say a word. Three days later, she comes up to me. She's like, I took that test. I never, I didn't tell you about it. I forgot to tell you about it. I said, well, what, what, what did it come out? She said, I have mild anxiety. And I said, how do you feel about that? She said, I feel a lot better about it because it's, it's mild. I said, yeah, and now you know. And I said, did you see all the things on there that it tells you to do? Like things like, like mm. the exercises and all that stuff and how to deal with it. And she said, yeah. And that's it. We left it at that. But the, but if you could have saw the relief on her face because she didn't understand what anxiety was. She, she took it as a negative, negative thing. Now right. you're finding out anxiety is okay. And anxiety, it's my, you have a mild form of it. And now you're an 11 year old and you can tell your friends that, and you can talk to your friends about that. So walk the talk America isn't just a, we're not just reacting to tragedy. We're going to get deeper than that. We're going to make it so people, we got a whole generation of people coming up that understand I have to be able to talk about this stuff and work through these issues. It's the before stage four concept, right? If you go to Mental Health America's website, before stage four is like, and I'll put in another example, like when women find out they have breast cancer, many of them unfortunately find out way too late because they feel a lump and they don't want to face that reality. So they feel it. And usually when they go get help, it's like it's grown into something horrible. Right. And you're at the end. Well, our brains are the same way. Think of our brain as before stage four. If we could talk about it at stage one, when she has mild anxiety, we could find a solution. But if we wait or people keep it inside and they don't talk about it, eventually you're going to hit stage four mentally Mm -hmm. because of things like divorce, things like I, I came home from fighting a war and I feel like I don't have a place to talk about what happened and I don't trust anybody because I don't want to lose rights. 
then you hit a stage four scenario. So that's what we're dealing with here at Walk to Talk America. On a side note, of uh, to continue that, um, we we are developing these bands that basically say Walk to Talk forward slash love. And it's going to drive, we're going to just hand them out in schools. It's going to drive kids to go take a Mental Health America screening. So they don't even have to talk to anybody about it. No one will have to know. They can go and start seeing some of these answers on themselves. That's one of our first initiatives. Now think about that. 15 yeah. years later, maybe that changed that person's life, right? Yeah. Now they're not going to go into a school and shoot something up. Now they're a little bit more understanding. They're aware. So that's what it is. You know, it's it's so true. You know, okay. So I'm looking at these screening tools, by the way, and they're very comprehensive. I'm, I'm really impressed, frankly. I had no idea this even existed. And I just, I shared the link in the uh, uh, Facebook uh, comments and the links for everything we're talking about today, including, you know, your company, Walk to Talk America, Mental Health America, all this is going to be in the show notes of today's show, of course. Uh, but I wanted to point out that there's two tests here that really caught my attention, Mike. Uh, the youth test, which, which it says, so by the way, if you go to this page, you're going to be like, oh, which button do I press? There's like, you know, a bunch of different options. We'll scroll down a little bit. It says, unsure which screen, which screening test to take. And then it explains, you know, hey, if you're feeling overwhelming sadness, we'll take the depression test. If you're feeling, you know, this or that. But the youth test, it says here, is for young people age 11 to 17 who are concerned that their emotions, attention, or behaviors might be signs of a problem. So it sounds like kind of a general, you know, youth mental health kind of check. Okay. The next one, the parent test, is for parents of young people to determine if their child's emotions, attention, or behaviors might be signs of a problem. I like that a lot. I'm a parent. I have five kids. And uh, now some of them are very young and probably a little bit too young to, you know, be thinking about some of this, right? But but I do have a son that's 12 and he's starting to hit that point in life where he's trying to figure out who he is and he's got a lot a lot more stress to deal with in life. And uh, this is really, really cool. I, I, I'll have to take the test and see what it's all about. But, but I, I like that a tool like that exists. And here's why. Because with the Parkland shooter, with uh, Sandy Hook, with a number of these terrible things that have happened with, with parents' kids, yeah, maybe adult kids at some, at points, but but with parents, children, and they do these these terrible things, we we find out after the fact that they knew that there was something not quite right, and I think sometimes the parents afraid to deal with it. I'm I'm afraid to admit there's something wrong with my child, right? Yeah, I, I mean, but take it on a bigger level than that, right? Oh, yeah. All right. This is where this, I will keep you on this show for literally two hours talking about this. <laughs> you, you, I want you to know, I, mean, I will not be offended if we're like, we got to wrap it up. But um, so when I first start the Walk the Talk America initiative and I'm going around and I'm, I'm and, and this is going to be to your point. So I'm going to get there. Yeah. Uh, I had one of the coolest days of my life. Uh just, just from a standpoint of feeling good about what I was doing. And I knew I was on the right track. I had a, a, a woman actually contact me in Vegas who throws fundraisers and she had heard about what I was doing and she wanted to, to you know, meet me to see if it's someone that she was like, okay, I'd like to raise money for this cause or help you. Um, we sat down at lunch. They let me talk. I just sat there and talked for like 45 minutes straight. And then I stopped and I was kind of like, okay, well, you have anything to say? Uh, she looks at me. And she says, I'm going to tell you a story that if I had access to a gun two years ago, I wouldn't be here telling you this story. Now, mm -hmm. my antennas go up because I'm like, is this going to be an anti-gun rant? I didn't know where right. I didn't know right. what direction. Take, this was taking going. the angle that, you know, we, you know guns yeah. are guns are too available. And that's why, people, right. you know, right. OK. 
Right. Continue. So, uh, so, so she, uh, she tells me about that. She had something traumatic happen to her and it put her in this huge funk. And if it wasn't for this doctor that was able to recognize that something was wrong, she had changed doctors and this doctor was talking to her and asking her questions. And all of a sudden the doctor was like, wait a second. And she broke down. She like started to talk and she was that close to taking her own life, like finding a way, but this doctor got her out of it and they talked about it and she got the treatment she needed. She got what she needed to move forward. Um, so it was a positive story, but why she was interested in my cause is she was like, you're the first person I've ever heard that said, uh, we don't need the stigma and you shouldn't lose your rights. And that resonated with her, which was basically the MHA's thing, but she had heard that first from me. Um, and, she, the reason why she got that close is because she hid it from her boss because she didn't want to lose her job. So mm-hmm. she was on the outside, had the smiley face on nothing's wrong, but in the inside, there's a war going on. And, uh, I thought that was really cool. And then I ended up going home that day and I ended up talking to a Parkland parent, um, a really nice guy. You probably know him, Kevin, uh, tag daddy. Yep. yep. Um, uh, which, you know, to me, just, just talking to a parent as, as a parent myself, um, and then talking to a Parkland parent, that was, that was pretty yeah. crazy. Yeah. Later on that night, I get on a phone call with a, a blogger in our industry who, who was in Afghanistan and he's a really good guy, um, well known. And he said, Mike, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you something that I've never told anybody before, but when I came back from, from war, I suffered from PTSD. Yeah. And I said, okay. And he said, if I didn't have my gun and the range, I wouldn't be here telling you the story. I literally got chills down my arm mm. because they had the same end result to their story, but they started it completely different. If I had access to a gun, I wouldn't be here telling you the story. He literally led with, if I didn't have access to the gun, yeah. I would have killed myself. And he didn't go get help because he was afraid of the stigma and he was afraid to lose his clearance. And he was yeah. afraid of, he's that's afraid a big of what one would for guys. That are, that's a huge one for people that are still uh, government uh, is losing clearances and things. So that, that's, that's a part of that clearance a lot of times. Right. Yeah. We have, we have, we have people on both sides though, even the anti-gun side that are dealing with the same stigmas and they're not telling people, you know yeah, what I mean? And yep. we've got to be able to recognize so it's that on, it's on both sides. And that's, and yeah. your, your two stories just illustrate that point very well. So let's just talk, Mike, um, let's be real. Like, what do you see as being some of the solutions potentially to some of these, some of these problems? Um, there's a couple things that, what, and I, and, and I, just so I'm clear, both on addressing like the stigmatizing, as well as on actually, because I think that's a piece of it. I think that I mean, we have to address the stigma piece of it because you know that doesn't that doesn't help us solve anything if, if we still continue perpetuating these these stigmas. And then on the other side, the other problem to solve is the actual health, uh, mental health issues themselves. Right, and that, and I leave the the solving. I'm leaving that to the experts. Okay, right. so the actual like by no means. Um, if, if you were to meet me today and you wanted to talk to me about your issues at home, uh, I, I think I, I have a good shoulder that you can kind of lean on to talk about those things, but by no means am I going to tell you exactly what to do. Um, that's why I, it was so important to me to align myself with a mental health organization that has, a, MHA is the longest, uh, oldest running mental health organization in the world. Okay. So 
it's important for me to align myself with professionals that do that. That's why I've aligned as the ungun gun guy. That's why I aligned <laughs> myself with people like Rob Pigas and Rafael DeValle. <laughs> so, cause they know everything, right? Like, I, I'm a big proponent of that. Like surround yourself with the right people. Right. Uh, so what I want to speak on for me and what we want to do about stigma is let's just wipe it out. Like that band idea, if I didn't see it work firsthand and, and I actually have another quick story that I could tell, I have a, a more negative, darker story with a family member that is now in therapy because they went through that uh, screening and they didn't like what they saw mm. and it freaked them out. And I actually have the text, the verbiage right there. Um, but they, they contacted me and said, it really spooked me when the screening actually came back and said, you are at risk for hurting yourself one day. She doesn't think of herself like that. You know what I mean? So it was one of those situations. But yeah. I feel like if we can if we can get to the youth and we can bring safe spaces forward where people can come and talk about these things, um, I think that'll help with the stigma. Because think about this. You show up to my office as a, as a, a, whatever it is you do. You work in the warehouse or, you know, whatever. And you say, Mike, I, I want to I feel like I'm going to throw up. I, I'm sick or your nose is running, right? You, you, you seem like you're contagious. I'm like, sir, ma'am, there's the door. Go home, sleep it <laughs> off. Do not come back until, right? I don't want to get sick. <laughs> but but let's, let's say you, you stand up and you're like, I feel like I'm going to have a heart attack and I don't know why. And I don't know that you suffer from anxiety attacks, right? And if anybody out there is listening that has severe anxiety, and I don't, Okay. So I, it's not something I can physically understand, but I, I appreciate what you could go through because I don't have anxiety. Uh, at least I don't think I do, but, uh, but we need to be able to understand that anxiety is just like the flu, right? It's, it's just like that. Just because we can't understand it doesn't mean I got to look at my employee and go sit your ass back down. Like, I, I don't understand where you're coming from. You know what I mean? I, I need to be able to work with you to say, if John gets up and has to walk outside for 10 minutes and just do what he needs to do to decompress, that's just like letting Sally go home for her stomach ache or Jeff go home because he's, you know, got a, uh, he's got the flu. And that's where we need to go with this. That's where we need to take this as a society. And we're, we're gun people, right? Like it's even worse for us because we're supposed to be tough, right? Like everybody yep. looks at us and they're yep. like, man, like our kids look at us and they're like, dad's a badass. Like dad works in guns. Dad's, we're not supposed to be weak people. I mean, a lot of us are, well, you know, you see our industry. There's a lot of uh, you know, people that train. Um, so trainers are naturally supposed to be together all the time, right? We always look at people like doctors, right? Well, he's a gun guy. He, he doesn't get upset. He's calm under pressure. No, we're human beings, man. <laughs> like we have good days and bad days. Um, and, and that's where we got to get as a society. So I hope I answered your question yeah. there. Yeah. I, I think just bringing it out in the open and it, I, I think that's what you're getting at is just having frank, honest, open conversations about the issues I think is, is one really good way of tackling. It. And I think that that type of conversation has to happen on all levels on, you know, a governmental level, on a community level, in a, in, on an industry level, and then on personal levels between spouses, between families, between friends to where, you know, we start destigmatizing and we just, I think the more we have those conversations, the more we realize, Oh wait, you struggle with that too. Right. You know, like, and then we realize, you know what, it's not that big a deal. 
there's a lot of people that struggle with various things, have mild forms of anxiety uh, or have serious ones or depression or whatever it is. So we can put it out in the open and just face it head on and realize it's just part of life. We all have to work through it. Now, I know one thing that, yes, yes, I totally agree with you that in our industry, especially there is that, you know, tough guy type attitude. Uh, you know, we love guns, we love shooting our guns and we love how it makes us feel. And at the same time, that's part of the challenges with mental health and guns is because everybody, I mean, everybody is afraid that if somebody thinks that you, there's something wrong with you mentally, that your guns are going to be at risk of being taken right. away. Right? Right. right. So I, I, I think we need to have very clear, and I don't know what that legislation exactly looks like, but I think we need very clear legislation on on when like specifically and those those situations have to be very it definitely has to be the exception rather than the rule right where there's a few exceptions where people and I don't know like I said I don't I, this is the tricky part and, and I I totally get what you said as far as uh, we got to rely on some of these other professionals to figure some of these things out <clears throat> but it needs to be very very clearly defined when someone's second amendment rights can be removed from them now one thing that's been a hot button issue for, for the last year or so especially is the idea of these gun violence restraining orders or extreme risk protection orders is another term that's been used and i do see that that is in this position 7 position statement 72 uh for mental health in america and i know that's 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 one that's including with myself because what when i see some laws that are proposed in various states about gun violence uh, uh, restraining orders. To me, sometimes some of those are worded in such a way that like anybody willy-nilly can just be like, hey, dude, you know, there's a problem here. They call the police or they call they call up a judge or whatever, whatever the process is, and they, they, they file a GVRO. And then, mm-hmm. you know, 24 hours later, police are showing up at your door, taking your guns away. Right? Right. Like that, that, and, and I've seen some that are, that have been crafted legislatively that that's like literally how they're worded is like someone can file a family member, a friend, a neighbor, a coworker, or an employer, uh, the cops themselves can file a GVRO and your guns are, are taken away and then you get a hearing. Right. What it's, I see uh, in the, in the word, sorry, what I see in the no, wording no. here from mental health America and their statement is they're, 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 they're proposing that GVRO legislation be enacted. Um, but they say that that a GVRO is filed, and then following a hearing, a court may order that an individual may be temporarily deprived of their guns. But that's not how some of the legislation I'm seeing out there is being crafted. Well, yeah, and you got to look at it on a when if you're going to get into legislation, right? You're gonna you got to look at it on a state level because different states have different rules, right? Um, yeah. My biggest thing there, and and that's that's a hot topic, right? Yeah. Especially when I talk to the MHA, because one of, one of the interesting things is I, how I got to the MHA was reading that position paper, and then I threw we we joke around, we call it the the Jerry Maguire Hail Mary memo. Um, I wrote <laughs> them this this passionate like email explaining who I was and what I wanted to do and what's important, and they responded by saying, Hey, we've been passing this thing around. Can you get on a plane and come out here to LA? They're not based out of LA, but they have a, they had a legislation conference out there, um, which they wanted to invite me to. And I didn't know what I was walking into. I didn't know if I was walking into a legislative legislative conference that dealt with guns. I didn't know what it was. Uh, fortunately for me, like I was walking into one 
that dealt with uh, insurance companies. Hmm. They, they, they battle with insurance companies. I mean, that's the, that's a lot of their fight is hmm. to get these things okayed by insurance companies and paid for. Cause a lot of families don't have the means or resources to take their son who's having a problem or their wife who's having a problem and, and get it paid for. Uh, cause people don't look at this as like a sickness, right? They look at it as like, that's your, that's in your head, man. You know, you pay for that and that's wrong. I mean, we need to start, start understanding that. But one of the things that, and this is, this is kind of why I'm excited to bring the two industries together because they need to be able to hear our side and our things, the things you're saying, right. And then, and we need to play with each other's ideas in a graceful manner, right. The Oxford man, right. Like that's what we need to get to. Um, I don't have the answer for a uh, uh, the whole country on the legislative part, but I do know this. The MHA is awesome to talk to because they listen, right? Um, also, you know, they need to be educated on what the issues are because sometimes they admit they don't think about certain things because they're not gun people. They've admitted right. that to me on the phone. So this is our opportunity not to get emotional and say, this is where this becomes a problem, right? Um, and then- just so you know, like the MHA, they are huge on keeping rights intact for people that battle mental illness. That's their thing. Like that's what they get the most upset about. So they might say something. It's like, ah, well, you know, that's not what I'm hearing on states, but that's what they mean. That's what they want. They don't want anybody to not have due process. They do. They, uh, we brought up the false accusation thing. You know, we have said that they understand that that's a problem. There's no magic magic cure for everything. Right. But we got to come together and figure out the best things to do. Um, one of the things, and let's just go into that, right. Let's just go into safe spaces, right? Like where, where do we go? How do we protect ourselves? Well, one of the things that, that one of the initiatives we wanted to kick off is to create safe spaces for people that are gun owners. So Rob and the MHA are working together on this range program where a person can go and say, I don't, I don't want to be judged. I don't want to lose my rights, but I want you to hold these. I want mm -hmm. you to, I want to check these guns in with you. And, and, and this is something that I deal with. Maybe I, maybe it's a two week period thing. Maybe it's a, a you know, that type of deal. I, I need to be able to trust where I go, that I won't be, no one's telling on me and saying it's bad, right. but I can go there and get resources. Maybe I can get help and then I can have my rights. I, I shouldn't even say it because they're not taking your rights. I can have, I can get my guns back. And, and not have to worry about it because I'm a responsible gun owner and I maybe suffer from PTSD. And sometimes I know that I'm having a bad week and maybe I just want a place to go where I can legally put them, where I just don't want them around. I don't want to freak my family out. Like we need to be able to talk about these things and not worry about guns getting grabbed all the time. Yeah, You know what I mean? Um, another initiative walk the talk is responsible for, which I'm, I'm super proud of is I worked hand in hand with, uh, gun vault. Um, nice. I went, yeah, I went to Mike Baker. Uh, cause one of the things I thought about is it like in Jersey, if, if you're my neighbor and I just hand you my guns cause I'm having a bad week, mm -hmm. I've now just made us felons, yep. sir. You know what I mean? Congratulations. We, we, we're in the same boat here in Colorado too. And it's frustrating because you, you can't even really lend a gun to a friend legally cause they're, they gotta be background checked. Right. And that was something I was thinking too, about your, uh, about, about the, uh, you know, being able to turn in guns and have like a gun range or gun shop or somebody hold on to those for you for for a period here in Colorado, I, I would then have to pay for a background check for me to get them back. You yeah, know? it's and, something and so that we that's a, it, that's a 
that's one of those little nuances that with a but let's figure that out yep, right like yep. let's let's find i'm a big person like okay we got problems or we where there's issues and it's going to be on a state level different but let's figure that out but let me let me tell you about the gun vault thing that i think is really awesome i like it so i sat down with mike baker who's uh one of the big guys over there, mm-hmm. Aaron and Mike Baker, the, the brothers that own it. And when I was telling them about the walk to talk concept, uh, obviously I wanted their support. Uh, you know, I, I want everyone to step in and support me and help me financially because, and, and, and this is a pure nonprofit. Nobody's getting paid from this. I have a board of directors that is a, a who's who in the gun industry. If you go to my website, I got Colleen Noir, Rob Pincus, uh, uh, Kenyon, uh, Martin from, um, uh, NASGW, right? I have uh, John Mazzulli as a, a lawyer. He handles all my law. Um, uh, or sorry, Kenny Gleason, not Kenny Martin. <laughs> I oh, yeah. Kenny <laughs> yep. Gleason. Sorry, yep. Kenyon. <laughs> um, uh, all these people are, are stepping up and, and we're all doing this out of pocket. Nobody yeah. has a salary. Everything is just getting paid for from Walk Talk America. But I was with the Gunball guy and I said, look, what if you made a a trauma switch uh, and you, and you made it so like from your phone that you could lock your safe from the inside and it lasted for X amount of days because trauma. Yeah. So, and his first reaction was, well, no, I don't want to take a bunch of crap from people. And I was like, Mike, how, how could you take, they don't have to use the switch. Right. But maybe, maybe I'm a soldier that has come home from Afghanistan and my wife knows me better than anybody. And my wife knows, I trust my wife's judgment. I say, honey, if you ever see me acting a certain way and you just feel uncomfortable, the kids, you have the access to, to change this. Once that button's pushed, that thing doesn't open for three, doesn't, you could set it, whatever, three, five, two weeks. Right. And he, I saw him grappling with the idea. And he, and he has his own personal story with, with losing a daughter to suicide. She, mm-hmm. she didn't use a gun, but she, he knows, he knows about when these, these, these feelings come on every day counts, right? If you can yep. get the person to the next day and the yep. next day and the next day, yep. it's proven, right? Uh, every day counts. So, th- so we, so he thought about it and then he came back later and said, yeah, let's do it. And it's funny. Cause then after the fact, we're like, yeah, it's actually a decent idea. Cause what if you go on vacation? Right. Like you don't even have to use it from the mental health standpoint. You could use it from I'm going to Hawaii for two weeks with my wife. I just want to lock my guns up in a safe that no one can get into regardless. Right. Like so, it actually went to like a real common sense thing after. But the initial thing about it is and, and when I took that idea to the MHA, I said, how do you feel about that? The MHA was like, we love that. That's awesome. Because remember when I said, if I hand you my gun, I might be committing a felony. Now, for everybody that has a gun vault safe in New Jersey, they could lock that up. They could they could police themselves. They could do whatever they want. Like the wife can do it if you give her that access or the husband can do it for the wife. Or maybe you want to do it for the kid, right? You have the kid and, and, and you know that the kid goes to guards. You want to make sure that there's absolutely no, no access whatsoever, no matter what, while we deal with what I like to call a tra- traumatic episode. So that's the concept, yeah. but like, you know, those are the things that we can do. Uh, let's just make everything better. You know what I mean? We don't, and, and let's protect our right. Look, I am never going to do anything to jeopardize my family's future. I work in guns. I sell guns. 
But at the end of the day, even though I'm a mental health advocate now and I've been put in that role at the end of the day, because I don't get paid to do any of this, I have to feed my family. I would be the stupidest person on the planet to kill my own golden goose. And that's what I think <laughs> listeners need to understand. Right. I'm never going to let anybody jeopardize. I'm a huge amendment guy, just like I will never let anyone jeopardize the first amendment. You know what I mean? I, I'm a big on that. So I'm not going to do something stupid. And that's why I'm excited to work with the MHA. I, I really am because I, I hear what they're saying and I believe them and I know it. I've watched them go fight for people's rights. I have given them instances where I've said, this is, seems a little shady. And they have literally been like pit bulls. They've gone out and, 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 and mixed it up. I mean, you know, I, I was watching a, a clip and I saw a clip of The View the other day. And uh, Joy Behar, and, and I don't play identity politics, by the way. Sure. So I look at everything on an individual basis. I, I, oh, because I know people are going to be like, why would somebody even watch her? Well, people do, man, a lot, yeah, right? So, so, so to not listen to her, it's silly. Just you got to understand. What you, but the, immediately I watched her. I posted this clip on my Facebook page and, and on Walk the Talk America's Facebook page. Um, and she starts off the conversation with, this is not about love and compassion anymore. This is about crazies with guns. These are about lunatics with guns. And I was like, no, oh my God. I, the first thing I did, I'm telling, I sent it over to the MHA. Yeah. <laughs> I said, hey, somebody stop her. Because if I could, if, if, if my people, my so-called people, the gun side can change their language, she shouldn't be able to say that stuff, right? Yeah. Uh, so that's the type of stuff, man, we're doing. That's we're awesome. Doing. Yeah. That's a great example too. I, I saw that clip. In fact, I saw that you had shared that uh, of her saying that, and uh, yeah, that's the battle we're in. And so I, I love this bringing together these two sides. That it's so true. You have mental health advocates that traditionally probably are not gun people, don't understand guns, probably don't even really care about guns. And then the gun side, the gun industry, you and 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 those in the industry that. The other side probably thinks we don't care about mental health, but don't realize that, no, actually, there, there are people, many people in this industry that do care about mental health tremendously. And so bringing these two together, I mean, where so many issues are centered around mental health and guns, it, it just makes sense to try to tackle that issue together. Uh, definitely, we can be aligned on not wanting more uh, you know, mass shootings, not wanting more gun violence, not, you know, wanting mental health uh, issues, to, you know, to, to still occur amongst people. Like we want to solve those issues. So we can definitely join hands and, and get together on that. I'm so excited about this agreement that you've uh, signed with Mental Health America. That That is a huge, big step in the right direction. Uh, when, when is that going to be made like public? Like, like is that going to be published somewhere? Uh, yeah, I'm going to put it. I mean, honestly, I want to <laughs> put it on my site. I, I, uh, it's funny. I, I, I hate to like go to the phone to, uh, you know, while I'm talking to you, but, um, uh, there's, there's some language that I love and this is just, yeah, uh, let's hear it, dude. Yeah. Um, and, and this is the MHA just talking, right? Like they're, they're giving me their opinion on certain stuff, but MHA vigorously opposes efforts in the name of public safety to deny rights or privileges, otherwise discriminate, against people based on mental health conditions. So such efforts should be rejected as dangerously stigmatizing, making effective treatment more difficult. 
and as a violation of the civil liberties and human rights of people with mental health conditions. Like that paragraph right there. Think about what they just said. Uh, and they mean it, right? Uh, they want to to bring this to the forefront and understand, and they want people to understand, no, you do not get to deny rights for people. That, like I said, my mind races. Uh, I posted something the other day, or yesterday actually, about the, the USA Today article, which I felt uh, was written with identity politics in mind. Uh, but if you go to my Facebook page, uh, it was really unfortunate because there's a lot of really silly things that Trump does. Uh, and I believe that he should be held accountable for the things that he says, uh, sometimes tongue in cheek. I'm an East Coast guy. We have a little bit of a different sense of humor up there. Mm-hmm. I get it. Sometimes it doesn't translate to the Southern gentleman. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> but this was one of those instances where it was unfair. And it made it look like Trump was signing a bill, overturning. It basically belittled the whole thing and it drew it down to he just uh, undid what Obama did, uh, preventing or letting people that are crazy have access to guns. No, that's not what he did. Um, and they know it. And the MHA knows it. And I, I once again, I was like, ooh, I'm telling. I sent it over to the <laughs> MHA <laughs> because that's wrong. Uh, he basically signed. He overturned a bill that Obama put in place where he wanted to deny rights of 75,000 people that once again, were there's 200 different categories of mental illness. And if we just start lumping people together, we're going to prevent people from protecting themselves and their families or doing what they love just simply because I said, so I said that people with anxiety shouldn't have guns around. I said, people that, you know, people that never would hurt themselves or another human being or a fly right? Could lose their gun rights based on that. But that was a, that was a bad article. That, that was a horrible article. So true. Just, I, yeah, I, yeah. I saw that same headline. Here's the headline folks. So this is straight from the headline. This tells you all you need to know as far as how poorly this is written, because it's very misleading. Trump signs bill reversing Obama rule to ban gun purchases by mentally ill. Right. Right. The, the way that's worded makes it sound like is this really bad idea. You know, that's that's the intent, right? And I remember reporting. Uh, so every week on the podcast, uh, typically on like Tuesdays of each week, we do a news folk, news story focused episode. And I remember when we covered initially Obama, uh, you know, signing this this executive order uh, to limit this about about seventy five thousand people. They figured that are adjudicated as mentally defective, as it relates to being able to, you know, they have to have someone help them manage their money as it relates to their social security benefits. That's what it is. And Obama put into effect this executive order that said, you know, those people, you know, that can't handle their money with the social security and they got to have someone else do that for them. Well, clearly there's something wrong with them and they can't have guns. Right. Like that. Yeah. I remember reporting on that and I was, I was pissed when I, when I learned about that. Yeah. And, and the reason why they got brought up again is Rob Pink has posted it as a discussion piece. Right. So it's it's nothing new. But yeah, it, it, it's one of those things where, you know, now that I see it and now that my language has changed and now that I've worked with the MHA for the last four months, I've, I've read that article now and it has a whole new meaning to me. Mm-hmm. Not only did it, yeah. it made me angry before because of the gun right thing. But now I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You just threw yep. gasoline. That writer just threw gasoline on a fire and just. Uh, really, it's irresponsible. It's irresponsible journalism uh, because now you're getting all these people that are anti-Trump too. Like, 
That would make yep. me, I would do the same thing. I would read that headline, stay in my echo chamber, not do any research and be like, this guy is crazy. Like he wants crazy people to have guns. Boom. Just contributing to the stigma right there. Mm. Uh, that's not the case. But those are, those are the things that I love about the MHAs because like they're right there. They get it. You know, that's yeah. the one thing we can come together on because we're doing our best here, right? We're doing our best as, as second amendment advocates and, and gun owners, uh, yeah. to understand. I've had yet to have one person that I didn't, I was, I, I was talking to somebody yesterday or two days ago and it was funny. They go, yeah, ever since I've, I've been watching you go through this process, I find myself, I catch myself. I catch myself saying, I go a crazy, and then, and then they go, oh, then I changed my language. Like I go back, well, not a crazy person with a gun. And I said, don't worry about it. I still do it sometimes. And I, but I, I'm getting to the point where it's become second nature. And I don't say that. Like and that's, that's, that's about change. I don't ever want to like impede on people's free speech. I want to make people understand that the stigmas don't help. Yep. And, that, and you really create a stigma doing that. I never, you know, when I put that together, I was like, man. Yep. Time. So it's one of those things that, you know, since I've been following you as well and, and Rob and everything you guys have been up to with this, I remember Rob first told me about this back in August or yeah, it had to have been in August, probably early August. And he was like, Hey, it's, it, you know, I don't think you guys even had your website yet. And he's like, Hey, this is coming down the pike. And I was like, Oh, this is really exciting. And since then I've been like thinking about my own, my own self, you know, doing a little self evaluation. And I, I, I'm sure I've been part of the problem in the past as far as that stigma, uh, stigma, stigma, stigmatization. Yeah, or stigmatizing. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, and, I, and I'm sure I probably even said things on the podcast that were wrong in this regard. But I can't worry about that now. Like, all I got to do is worry about, you know, I, I, I can only worry about the future. Like, what we're going to do from here going forward, uh, you know, not continuing to perpetuate the stigma of mental mentally ill pe people and guns and that there's a problem with all mental mentally ill people we need to understand that it's a few people it's a less small than five percent less than five percent that actually hurt other people right i think there's a lot of things that we as a community and as an industry can do better uh both in that regard and also in being you know having this open conversation in being aware and looking for signs and gestures and hints and things that people might might give and you know not not putting their jobs in jeopardy not putting their gun ownership in jeopardy but being there being a shoulder uh, to lean on to be a pr person with compassion to be a listening ear and to try to help them like right? whatever that looks like and i think there's also times where we as a community and as an industry need to do a better job where with the hard things, the difficult things, you know, you got grandpa that's 86 years old and he's, you know, a little bit senile. Uh, he's, he's having dementia, right. You know, those sorts of things starting to, you know, set in and you know, there's going to come a time where we got to make a call as a family to sit down with grandpa or maybe even not sit down with grandpa, depending on the, you know, how severe the situation is and just take grandpa's guns away. Right. You know, stuff like that. Or being willing as a parent to admit that there's something maybe not quite right with my child. I need to get them help. I, I, I got to stop uh, ignoring the problem here. And yeah, I'm a gun owner. I've got lots of guns. I do keep them stored properly. But, you know, at the same time, like, I got to be willing to deal with those mental health issues with my own children and with myself, uh, my family as a whole. So it's like there's there's difficult things that have to be done. 
sometimes. And I think the more we destigmatize it and the more we put it out in the open and have these open conversations, I do think it gets a little bit easier for us to then realize it's okay. We just need to deal with the problem for right now. This will pass. And then everything will be, you know, everything will be hunky-dory. Well, it, it, we probably ought to start wrapping it up here. Uh, <laughs> you I, don't want to keep going? I hear you. I know we could keep I got, going. I but. got 50 million stories, man. <laughs> I'm telling you. This is what fuels me to do this. I, I wish everybody could see what I have seen. I Just real fast before we wrap sure. it up, one more. Yeah. Uh, where we kind of met and had like a longer discussion. I know we have seen each other in passing. I think it shows. Or yeah, yeah. I, st- I stop in at your booth. Yeah, say hello. In fact, right, we recorded right. an interview with Rob Pincus in the Eagle Imports booth. Right. At uh, SHOT or NRA or right. something. Yeah. But it had nothing to do with uh, mental health yeah right yeah, the first was, time that we talked broached this subject was basically in denver right when i was there for the denver mm-hmm, gun days mm-hmm. and 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 this whole concept was new um you know when i spoke in front of those people that were there and i had said to them um who who here suffers from mental illness or is one degree away with a family member and the entire group of people whatever totally. 100 whatever not, not one person had their hand down uh, to have the people come up to me, to have the people stand up and share their stories in front of other people with tears in their eyes and say, like, you're the first person that said this, right? We we think as a society, we, we think it's so simple, right? We think it's that easy. We think that people have access to good friends that let them share these stories. It's not true. We, it, we don't. There's a lot of people out there that don't. So I don't want people to make this. It's a simple concept, but but believe it or not, People need these safe spaces. At Denver Gun Days, I had people come up to me after after I spoke and said, can I pull you aside and tell you my story for a second? And they were, they were crying. They were tearing up. Um, and they were so happy that they were able to say it. And they, they saw like a gun guy, right? The gun, gun guy. But they saw a, gu- a person who owns a gun company, a person that owns a yeah. manufacturer, an importer. Talk about these things. I think it gave them a sense of relief. I'm no hero. I'm no wordsmith. I am not somebody who is an expert, but I do recognize, and I think people like that, that it's something that needs to be done about this. And on that note, uh, there's so many good things to come. But like I said, I wish everybody could see that the compliments that I've been getting in terms of doing what we're doing and accomplishing, um, it really, it pays off. It's what makes me do this for free. (laughs) (laughs) So it's it's the fuel that drives this this ship. So Awesome. Thank you. And we Thank appreciate you. everything you've shared with us. So tell us, uh, where can people find, uh, I don't think we've even uh, uh, posted or talked about the Walk the Talk America website yet. So walkthetalkamerica.org, is that what it is? Uh, you can get there by going to wtta.org. Ooh. Or if you want to spell the whole thing out, walkthetalkamerica.org. wtta.org is pretty easy. I like yeah, that. Pretty easy. Um, you can find us on all social media under Walk the Talk US. Uh, so basically Facebook, walk, talk, us, Instagram, Twitter, mm-hmm. uh, you know, stay tuned to our website. Uh, Hey, listen, I'm not going to lie. Robin, Robin, I've become the, the media whore. Rob loves, the, loves. <laughs> the so, uh, we're out there talking about this all the time. So just, just like us on Facebook or Instagram and you'll see all these places where we're going to talk about all these things that are coming out. Um, you, you'll be able to see what we're up to. Uh, we're going to be completely transparent. Uh, people are going to be able to say, what a lot and, and let me preference this not everyone has money okay so if i right. said something today that touches you get in contact with us get in contact with me 
if you have maybe a PR company and you want to do a PSA for us or however you want to contribute, I, I have a, a, the website was done for free. The hosting was done for free. Well, I shouldn't say free. People were donating their time to the cause, right? My legal was done for free. My, my booth at SHOT Show will be done for free from a company that believes in what we're doing. It doesn't have to be money. If it's something that you, it's, a, it's, a, it's something that you have a resource that you can help us out with, we would appreciate it because we are a startup and we're not going to take anything. No one's taking a dollar out of this thing. It's going strictly to what we believe is going to help people in the future. Uh, and people need to understand that. Uh, I just want them to understand that you're going to be, it's going to be completely transparent. You'll see where every dollar goes, um, which is going to be Good. big. Cause I just so, donated 10 bucks. Oh, see, I appreciate it. No, <laughs> seriously, boom. You laugh. You laugh. That's that, that stuff right there is what <laughs> drives me because it's awesome. It, it, it counts. It means something. You know what I mean? Like I, I got to bring the MHA people out to the show. Right. I got to put them up in a hotel. Like those are the things you don't necessarily have to pay for a policy, but maybe you're helping me accomplish something that's going to be great. So uh, thank you. That's yeah. that's yeah. awesome. That you did that. You're the first person to do that while we were talking <laughs> online. So that's that's awesome. Well, multitasking, man, you know, multitasking. But anyways, so <laughs> all those places follow us uh, and on the gun side. Don't be scared. Come, come try a gun from some exotic location that you've never had before. We have some awesome guns. Versa, Grand Power, Metro Arms, which is uh, American Classic, Mac, SPS, Llama. Um, stay tuned for Avidity Arms. Grand Power, I mean, one of the sexiest guns. This, we didn't get a chance to talk about it, and I want to keep it in the, the Strybog. This gun oh, is yeah. badass. That looks okay. awesome. I'd love to get my hands this on is, one. Yes, this is awesome. So the next show, or yeah, we, we could work something out. You know somebody now. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but check out those websites. Go there. Um, I'm available. Okay. Yeah. I, I don't hide. Everybody can get a hold of me. So someone on Facebook here, uh, ghost tactical says he's donating right now as well. So oh, thank you so much. Ghost. Tactical. Bam. I appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. So Thanks. folks, uh, those listening, once again, all links will be in the show notes as well, but walk the talk forward slash donate real simple. And you guys will accept any amount. I, I, I saw that, but you know, so a dollar, ten dollars, fifty dollars, hundred dollars. You can do one time. You can do a monthly recurring. You know, so hey, I, even I'd if appreciate it's not money. You know, even if it's not money, every yep. time you forward the link or put it out on your Facebook or say get behind these, that helps us too. So yes, there yeah. you go. So there's the call to action, listeners. Uh, and we have we have wonderful listeners. So I'm I'm hopeful and optimistic that uh, there will be a bunch uh, just from this episode that will will go and. And you know, like I said, even if it's just a dollar, folks, if that's all you can do, I know that many of you are on, on a fixed income, you're retired, whatever it is, a dollar, dollar a month, five dollars one time, ten dollars, whatever it is, just go, yeah. just just do a little something. This will be, uh, this is a great organization. I think it's a wonderful thing to get behind, and and I plan to further support you in the future. Do anything that we can to to help you uh, in these endeavors because I think it's worthwhile, uh, Mike. So uh, appreciate everything you're doing for free. <laughs> Yeah, no, <laughs> thank you. It's uh, like I said, I, I don't, I'm, I'm very fortunate. I'm very blessed. I have a beautiful family. I have a beautiful career. Uh, I do not need the, the, the headache or responsibility that comes with it, but it's the right thing to do. Yep. And it's, it's going to change lives. And that's what that, and I hope one day, and this is, we could end on this note. I want the impact to be like how you put a seatbelt on like second nature, right? You get in a car, you want my kids, they get in a car. I don't even have to tell them. They just do it. Right. That's how we need mental health to be. 
We need to be second nature that we can talk about it, that we can fix the issues, that we can go get help and not feel like there's something wrong with us. And, and, and my impact and the impact that we'll have as Walk the Talk America and, and all of us in the industry, one day we will not get credit, but it'll just be second nature. <laughs> you know, that's the most important thing. Good. So, yes. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks again, Michael. Uh, I'm going to keep you on. Uh, we'll wrap up this show here, and I got, I got a couple of questions I want to ask you offline. So, sure. uh, folks, uh, thanks for listening to this episode of the Concealed Carry Podcast. Uh, I, I, it was a little bit of a longer one, but uh, I think these were worthwhile things and conversations to talk about and to discuss. I uh, hope something and what we've talked about here today is helpful to you and or your family in your own personal journey, whether it's in guns or mental health, whatever it is. Make sure you use these these resources that are available and uh, talk to those that you may know that could benefit from some of these resources. WalkTheTalkAmerica.org, uh, MentalHealthAmerica.net. Uh, go, you know, and, and I shared the link for the uh, screening tests. Uh, if you if you think yourself, a family member, a child, somebody, you know, coworker is struggling with something and they're they're a little afraid because of the stigmatizing to actually go and talk to a doctor or somebody about it, well, start with one of those screening tests that you can do anytime, anywhere at your own leisure. And, uh, yeah, that's a good way to get started. At least it'll tell you, maybe give you a a sign that there is something wrong uh, and you do need to go to the next step. So, uh, once again, uh, sponsors today's episode, uh, Guardian Nation, guardiannation.com. Appreciate your support of of us and everything we're trying to do here as well. And uh, with that, we're going to sign on out of here. A reminder to train right, train often, and train safe so you can fight hard, fight fast, and fight true. Take care. that laws vary from place to place and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand applicable laws the concealed carry podcast concealed carry inc concealed carry.com and their affiliates strive to share insights and stories about firearm related incidents and laws but things could be different where you live or laws may have changed by the time you listen to this we cannot be held liable for your actions based on the information shared in this podcast